is in the pudding, and the pudding in this case is a football. Boom! Eat my goal! The goalie has got football pie all over his shirt. Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pool podcast. Um, I am joined again by the amazing Gary Griffiths from from Wales. Uh, welcome back to the show, Gary. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, I'm really enjoying doing these reviews. Uh, it's kind of nice to look back at the game and um, just have somebody else's opinion on it. Because obviously, like I see things with my blinker view of the world and you kind of see it like the way <laughs> you do. And it's kind of nice to have that, um, that, that view of it. But it's been kind of a while since we was it two weeks now since we did an episode and yeah i think so yeah yeah i had people visiting for a week so we couldn't do it last week and we had our contract wrangle as well didn't we yeah so once we got that sorted and signed yeah you know you know like my phone is always on um so if you ever need me just you know just reach out and we can it doesn't need to come to you cancelling you know what i mean like that's just the way it is but yeah it's uh (laughs) it's just like it, it just speaking on that like a little bit it's just funny how in the world of football, it doesn't matter where you are. There's always drama, and in the two weeks that we've been off, so much has happened. You know what I mean? Like, 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 all, like what, what did you make about all that stuff? I, I don't want to get too depth into it because, it, like, it's been talked into depth. But what, what do you think about like this, the whole cancellation thing and uh, all that kind of good stuff? I, I, to be honest, I feel like this a lot in my life. Like, I, I have to force myself to have opinions on things because I don't actually have an opinion on it. Like something like that. To be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm really easily led. So I'll read one person's opinion and go, "Oh, they're, they're definitely right," and then I'll read someone else's and go, "No, they're definitely right." And that, when that was all kicking off on Twitter, that's what I was going through. Like, I'd read someone go, "We got to think about the players and blah blah,", blah. and I'd be like, oh, "Yeah, that sucks for them. It's good that they've done that." And then I read. Um, I think he's a photographer for Cavalry or something, Stuart, Stuart Graydon or something his name is on Twitter. So I follow him and he, him and his family had flown out there from, from um, Calgary, spent thousands of dollars on hotels and tickets and stuff and learned on the day of the game, it wasn't happening. So I read his very measured, um, very well, well written tweet, Twitter thread about it. And then I was like, actually the players have been dicks here like they could have they could have just said we're really unhappy we're not going to play this game sorry we are going to play this game but the next one we're not going to play at least then people could get refunds and stuff so I ended up falling down on that side of it but to be honest I don't think I know enough about what's gone on to give an informed opinion I'm kind of the same like 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 obviously um Grown up around Ireland's uh, Football Association which is a fucking mess in itself Mm. it's just it's just sad to see it come to that like like um you know like obviously in ireland we had like the 2002 world cup with the Roy Keane thing that's been talked to that but it should never get that far and it felt like this has got that far because they just weren't talking to each other and i think that's the main thing is like the lines of communication and there's so many people that have their hats in this and i think for the people from one soccer who have like they have to talk about it because they're the broadcaster of Canada soccer so they they have to talk about it but then obviously like they've got somewhat of a hat in the ring and like there's an awful lot of like vicious things and uh there was a lot of stuff that was kind of um near the knuckle like kind of said about some of the people who work at one soccer and like trust me like I I don't particularly like Garrett Wheeler that much I I don't really I don't like the way he kind of just puts stuff out there to wind he does it with the wanders all the time to kind of get like content is like you know what I mean and it's the same way um even the FC Edmonton game he kind of said that uh, we we were going to lose and he said against Guelph we we're going to lose and all this kind of stuff right so it's what he does but he, like he, he's been getting he's been kind of the face of like a lot of the abuse that's been going on online and I don't think it's very fair and I think um I think he's a awful commentator and i think he's an awful pundit but i don't think he deserves <laughs> the uh yeah. the, the kind of the ritual he's been he's been getting so I, i'm glad that they kind of have come to some sort of arrangement because it should be a joyous occasion and having seen a world cup ruined for ireland who don't make that many it's just breaking my heart a little bit to see like canada who haven't made one in in 30 years or whatever however long it is to to see them kind of go down the the same route so i'm glad it's mm. kind of gonna get uh fixed but 
yeah, it's just football is just a funny business. So um, let's let's not get stuck into that. So so uh, we had three games. We had York, we had Calvary, and we had Edmonton. Um, that my big thing is is that like we got six points out of nine, which I think was a really good return. I don't think I think anybody would have taken your hand off if that was uh, what was offered to us before those three games, but. Um, you had family, as you mentioned, at the start there in town. So I really wanted, before we got into the games, just what was the experience like for um, your, your mom and uh, her husband uh, coming from away to see, it, it kind of it fascinates me to see what they would think of a, a game here. So what do they think of it? Yeah, it was it was fascinating for me as well. I was really interested in to see like how my mum, what my mum thought of it. Because my mum, like in terms of going to live football, she's been around the block like when, so when my dad was alive, her and my dad were season tickets at Chelsea all through the all through the late seventies, early to mid eighties. Then they gave it up for a while, and then in the mid nineties, they were season ticket holders at Chelsea again. Until eventually, Roman's money came in, and they were they were priced out of having a season ticket. Um, kind of in, and then then kind of when I was when I was growing up, often because my dad would work weekends, my mum would take me to Arsenal games as well. So she was also having that experience, and then like since she got remarried and has retired her and her husband they go to loads of live football so they were they went to West Ham Newcastle towards the end of the season they go to Man United a lot because her husband supports Man United so yeah like she's really seen a lot of live football so I, I was curious about what she would think of our like little club which it is it's a tiny little club globally but um yeah, she loved it. She absolutely loved it. She was amazed that she could drink in the stands. <laughs> and I think that's something when you when you speak to North Americans, like they're a bit surprised that back home you can't drink in the stands and like trying to explain that no, no, British football fans fans literally can't be trusted to drink yeah. in the stands. That is what it comes down to. It's yeah. because no one can trust them not to get really, really pissed and throw bottles on the pitch and stuff which is yep. pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic, but it has happened in the past and that's why it's it's banned. So I think they enjoy the novelty of of like being out to drink and um, yeah, they loved it. They loved the, like, the intimacy of it and how it still feels very personal. Like at the end, the players saying hello to their friends and family in the stadium and um, yeah, they thought the stadium was great. The view was great. It wasn't, wasn't the most entertaining game, but I think they'd have taken anything to be honest. So yeah, yeah, she had a really good time. That's great to hear. Like, especially like you know, um, she's obviously seen the the game go from those ramshackle stadiums of the seventies and eighties to obviously the better stadiums from the nineties and and into like uh, the modern like the present day. So like, the, the, it might probably remind her a little bit of those kind of rinky dink stadiums that they had back then. Because I remember, I'm old enough to remember at Chelsea they used to have. A running track, I think, at Stamford Bridge, and it was almost like a car park at the back of it. Like, yeah, so it, it was, behind one of the goals. Yeah, a car park. It's, so like, like you know, like her being a season ticket and seeing that, like seeing her little stadium, it must have been mm. kind of like just like wow, like it's kind of like because you're right, that intimacy is kind of it's lost back home because the stadiums are so vast and the players, yeah, for their own safety, kind of have to be careful and all that kind of stuff. And just seeing um, how the players like interact with the fans after the game, it's like that's what I love about this. And I'm like, mm. I guess, I guess I'm afraid that obviously I want the club to get bigger, but I, I really don't want them to ever lose that little, that level. Yeah. The little community she, thing. She was saying as well, like how, like it felt nicer, like it felt safer than, I mean, I think to be honest, games back home now are a million times safer than yeah. when she was regularly going, but there's still like every section has, you know, like they're one very abusive person in the section yelling. Everyone has their tweets. <laughs> yeah, everyone has their tweets. Like, referee, you fucking wanker. Like, there's always someone <laughs> yeah, like that yeah. in every single section. There's, I think, like football back home, there's this, there's this undercurrent of aggression always, whatever's happening. Like, people, people really use live football back home as an outlet, don't they? Like, end of the week, stressed, for, stressed from work, and they just want to like release something in this safe place and I think that's what football is for a lot of people whereas here it's still it's still quite fun and people go there looking to have a nice time rather than to release some sort of pent-up aggression so I think she like she's pushing 70 so like she wants that now like she wants to go to a game and feel relaxed and not have to worry about that side of it so yeah she liked that as well yeah because I remember just uh 
I don't know if you remember, uh, there was a guy called Donald McIntyre. He's an Irish guy that used to do documentaries. And he did one on the Chelsea Headhunters where he went undercover. <laughs> uh, and um, like most of the guys, like they're like the hooligans, like like they're all like stockbrokers. And it, it wasn't like the kind of, because I think in your head, you expect it to be like unemployed or like, you know, like people on a building site. But it's like, as you said, it's just like pent up frustration and pent up stress from the week to take out on the weekend so 100 and they're all coked up as well like yeah. nowadays it's all like doing lines of coke in the bathrooms and just having one yeah whereas like and that's the thing i love and uh, like just talking about like the, the players and stuff like that uh nico giansopoulos who i've had on the show before um his parents actually came down to watch the game because he wanted uh, them to see him play uh, outside of york and after the game he went over to him during the corner and he was chatting away and he was having a bit of banter with the fans and all that kind of stuff. And he signed a pair of gloves for one of the kids that were there and stuff for that. And I just think it's like little moments like that that are away from the cameras. And it's just, mm-hmm. uh, it just reminds you of like what the league really is. And, you know, as I said, like I kind of hope that we never get away from that because obviously we wanted to be big and successful, but I kind of still want that little intimacy so yeah um so the york game itself uh, like that was the one that unfortunately you, you had you brought your uh your family to because <laughs> it, it was it was a bad game and it, it yeah. was like we we were terrible we like we never seemed to get going so like do you think that was a hangover from um the the, the toronto game like the the toronto game and stuff like that we just kind of slow picking up or what, what do you think was the reason for it i think york are the reason i think york are gonna have that same game a million times this season and they're just a very defensive team who like have you seen their record in the table yeah, they've only scored like six goals and they've only conceded seven goals as well so they, they hardly ever score and they hardly ever concede so York kind of did what York do which is just they're very compact their, their spaces are very small and you just kind of got to wait to try and, it was the same first game of the season wasn't it a similar sort of game we yeah. just had to wait until something breaks the game open a bit a penalty or a, something speculative and yeah I, I think I think I've seen that game a few times this season with York so I wasn't surprised it happened with us as well because we're not like we've, we've got we've only scored the, the fifth or sixth most amount of goals as well so we're not particularly prolific so if you put two teams against each other that are good defensively not very prolific that was like you could you saw that result coming a mile off couldn't you? yeah and that yeah, performance from both teams a lot of people that's like uh, had said beforehand that you know they expected it to be a draw i just thought that with them missing so many of their key players that like you know we, we i don't know I, like, I just felt like we were we just we just seemed lethargic we just never seemed to got to get into the game like it wasn't like obviously as you said they kind of stifled the game an awful lot and they're very hard to break down like and I think that's why Martin Nash was brought in, I think, to kind of t- tighten them up defensively. Um, but, yeah, we, we just made hard work for ourselves. And I think, that, like, the first half, they were actually the slightly better team. They had some, like, okay chances. But um, the, the inter- was the Corey Ben come on? I think Corey Ben come on. And that pass he laid on for, for Santos was the difference between the bit of quality and the rest. And I think that passed everybody was expecting that pass to go out wide and um, when he played that back inside he caught them square and they just couldn't cope with it and then ju- uh, uh, the was it Jordan Wilson yeah yeah like he had a mm. like a no option really but to mm-hmm. and but I think I think in hindsight if you knew it was Santos he probably wouldn't have made that tackle Santos um, on his right foot as yeah well. <laughs> so but yeah, like thank thank God he did but yeah I think that was the difference maker. Um, and I think that's what Corey bent. And it, it's such a shame again, that he's back out injured. Like he's just, he just picks up so many niggles, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And it, it was, you're right. It was a fantastic pass. And it, it really confused me when I was watching the replays of it. Cause you think it's rolling into a Keem's path, but then Santos kind of pip, uh, twists, doesn't he? And ends yeah. up running onto it as well. Um, so it was really quite confusing, but I, I wish, I wish we saw Santos score. Cause I think he's going to go, I think he's a bit of a nutter and I think he's going to go crazy when, when he scores a goal. Yeah. Like, in the, like, a, like a nice nutter. I think he's yeah. like just, he's just very like Brazilian eccentric and happy, isn't he? So I think when he scores, especially if he scores at the kitchen end, he's going to lose his shit. And so it's a, sh- it's a shame that didn't happen, but yeah. I feel, I feel like, like he's a type of guy that has like something planned. So he probably every game, he probably has like, do you remember that guy who used to keep a mask and a sock? <laughs> 
uh, that would like yeah. and, and do whatever. So I think he's Obama Yang used to do that as well with, <laughs> yeah. his, with masks, Spider Man masks or something. Yeah, so I, I I could imagine him doing something like that and just like having like the best dance routine of all time. But yeah, like I, I don't want to focus too much on the on that game. Like we kind of said um, in the lead up to it, like the week before, that was a kind of a must win game so we can kind of keep on the cocktails of the people ahead and job done pretty much. That's the kind mm. of way I saw it. Like we got away with the we had the one minute one bit of quality between the two teams and yeah it was kind of like job done let's move on job uh, done yeah never yeah. never think about a game again never watch it again yeah I'd like, I've, only, I, I've only watched the highlights back to be honest i can't i don't, I don't want to I watched, through that. i watched i watched i watched the highlights myself today just kind of remind myself of it and i was just like jesus this is the reason why this reason why i haven't you, watched this since that day did you know it's like the first for the first 40 seconds of the highlights are just the players slowly walking out <laughs> yeah. and then <laughs> then the, then like kind of them talking about the lineups that's how that's how turgid it was it's like like we've got to hit this five minute bloody thing yeah. we, need that, we need filler uh, so so then we 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 had our uh, away games i think like the big uh, as i mentioned there like a, a, um cory bent was injured didn't travel peter shala was injured didn't travel um so that game like i i, I once again like Calvary are one of the best teams in the league, as we saw like last night. Like they're now like on top of the table. We played really well against them. Like, and I thought that we were really unlucky to come away with nothing from that game. Well, what did you like? Did like we just like I wanted to talk a little bit about like uh JGL's contribution to that game and pretty much to the whole three games, but he was fantastic in that game. We yeah, we we were fantastic for the first half, especially that's no, I wouldn't say it's one of the best performances I've seen from us, but it was very, very good. Like, like cavalry are in a real good moment of form right now, and to play them off, maybe playing them off the park, putting a bit too much on it. But we, we were certainly, certainly the better team for the first forty-five minutes. But we were really like, without getting too like bollocksy tactical and all of that stuff. But like, one of our fundamentals of how we play, which works usually but not always, is we're really good at like contracting and expanding. So when we're in defensive phases of play, like we want everyone to tuck in, like our fullbacks tuck in, our wide players tuck in. And we kind of really, we really squash the distances between our midfield, our defense and our attack. So we're really tight and really compact. And then the second we win the ball back, we expand. So like your fullbacks hit the wings, the wide forwards go wide, the midfielders kind of push up to the forwards, the forwards push back their centre backs. So we want to make the pitch as big as possible when we've got the ball and as small as possible when we don't have the ball. And it hasn't always worked like against Forge at home. It, we tried it, but every time we tried to expand, they'd win it back and there'd be all these spaces everywhere. So it can go badly. But I thought against Cavalry in the first half, we did that exactly how it should be done. And we, we, we really controlled it and we kept winning it back. We were really, really punchy to like win the ball back and then start a transition. Um, so excellent performance and a real, real shame we didn't win that. I thought, I thought we were by far the better team. And yeah, JJL, Jeremy was, he's brilliant I thought and I think he's been brilliant quite a lot this season maybe flown under the radar a bit because like we're guilty of this ourselves but paying quite a lot of attention to Rampersad and what he's doing but Jeremy's consistently been seven out of ten sometimes eight out of ten and yeah he was very very good it's a shame he didn't score because he hit the post didn't he with a really really nice effort so and he had like a really he had like he had two or three good chances like the the header towards the end of the game there uh, when he hung on, had a free header, and um, yeah, like I, I think that's like a, a part of his game that I don't think we saw that much of like last year. How he can actually play in that advanced role, um, like he's kind of like we kind of always tend to see him like 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 last year, kind of sitting in beside Rampersat, and he's kind of pushed on, like as you said, like before, like having Rampersat sitting back as the lone six, it's kind of transformed his game a little bit, and I think like a lot of like the good things we're doing going forward. He's definitely a big part of it. And I just love his attitude, man. Like, I, like I'm not trying to be a homer or whatever like that, but, man, it's just, like, like you can tell he loves playing the game. And I, I love players like that. And he just drives everybody else on. Like, if you're watching him at the Wanderers grounds, like, if you're, like, around the pitch and stuff, like, you can see him. Like, he's so encouraging to the players on the pitch that, you know, if, there's, they, if they make an error, like, he's the guy that's over there. And I think that... um him being the captain after when Rampy was uh, not allowed to play against uh, Edmonton was uh, like showed you like what he actually does for this team. So, and um, we have to talk about the goal obviously, but like what is it where us and like 
defensive nightmares pieces, pieces yeah. against uh, Calvary. Like, you know, like watching this one and you see like our, one of our smallest defenders Restrepo on the back post marking two people, including Creefy Yeo. Like what, what, what was, what happened? I know, <laughs> I, like, I, I'm, I'm tempted to kind of put that more on. I read a, there's a website called the mastermind site. I think it is. Um, and they, they do a lot of coverage of the CPL actually, if people haven't read it before and they did an article, which tactically broke down that goal. So it was like a, like a 1000 word article just on that goal, which wow. I, I recommend people check out because it was really good, but they, they, they basically presented it as not really focusing us, but, focusing on us but focusing on cavalry and how that was clearly a choreographed move so all of their players sort of peeled to the back post leaving a couple in the in the well not all of them like some of their players peeled to the back post leaving some in the center and it was just a really well worked goal straight from the training ground from them so that yeah i suppose we should that should be the focus but no you're, you're completely right you've got you've got to protect you've got to protect restrepo like he brings a lot to our defense on the ball a lot but you need to protect him on set pieces and you need to protect Oxen on set pieces as well because he's not the tallest. So we're, yeah, we're, we're very, we're very susceptible to set pieces and it is a worry. I think like corners, I, I haven't actually looked at this, but I've anecdotally and from memory, I feel like a lot of the goals we've conceded like 70% maybe have come from set pieces this season or at least crosses like lofted into the area. And then that's like, we're, we're like not experts and we can see that. So, you know, the scouting department of every team we play yeah. is going right. Win free kicks around the box, win corners, win throw-ins deep in their half, and then just launch it into the middle because you will get joy out of it. And I think that's something we need to look at and work on ways to ways to get better. Yeah. I think um, hopefully that like uh, one of the, the stats people that, listens to the show will kind of back you up and send us like some i'm sure there's a stat out there <laughs> they're, av- they're avid listeners yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but it's like, like it's it just uh like i i get where it comes from like you're like the, the this is choreographed and it's worked on the training ground but that's you still got to be alive and awake to the situations and i just think that like when i when i saw creepy yell on the back post like with a pretty much a free header because it like you said about no chance to even like, cause he was marking somebody else. Um, it was mm. just a free header, and it was beautifully taken. Like, I, I, one thing I find with Calvary, like, which they're better at us as a club, I think, is that when, when, when they face, um, and I think this is because of the foothills. This isn't. I don't think this. This is not a, a slight at the club. I think because they have the network with the with the foothills, and they they bring people through. Like, they're able to replace people like their players who are long time long term injured like they lost like Fraser Aird and they've lost uh, Novak and they're able to bring back Peppel who the last time we heard was in Europe about to play for Barcelona or something like he was <laughs> he's been touted all over the place I think he was at Sheffield mm-hmm. United for a trial and all that kind of stuff and the fact they got him back you know he's a really he's like he's a good player like he played really well again last night against Valor and I think um they just they're just they're just really good at replacing injured players. Like they brought in Ben Fisk like last year and, and things like that. They're just really good at it. And I think that's where we kind of fall down a little bit. Like we still haven't really replaced uh, Morelli. And like, as I think Derek had mentioned on Twitter last night that the window's closed. So I get that. I just feel like they're, they always have somebody in mind if something happens at Calvary, whereas we kind of have to react to it whereas they tend to be a little bit more proactive but that's just my uh my two cents on that one and so moving on like uh i, I said i don't want to spend too much on those games because they were kind of a while ago but the edmonton game was the big one so um what, what did you think about like again we started very slow on this one like and i know the conditions were shitty and, and stuff for like that but it, it was it was kind of torrid, wasn't it like i mean like that first 20 minutes we were lucky not to be two or three down to be honest and i think had we been playing a better team than Edmonton, we probably would have been. Yeah, we, we play in halves, don't we? That's something that's happened throughout the season. It, I can't think of that many games where we've been bad for a whole game or good for a whole game. Again, forge a side where we were yeah. terrible for the whole game. But usually we have a good first half or a good second half. Um, I, don't, I don't really want to read too much into that because I think that's just football. Because if one team is on top for the first half, then at half time the manager 
changes things tactically, puts a rocket up them, so they're better yeah. in the second half. That's kind of how it works. But it would it would be nice to see us just dominate a game from start to finish sometimes. Um, and in the yeah, in the Edmonton game, first half was was really really poor. It, I I felt like because so Edmonton were coming in on that off. 10 days rest and we were coming into the game on two days rest we've subsequently found out there was a bit of a cold going through the camp as well so the players weren't feeling 100 percent. and kind of knowing knowing that now that first half makes a lot more sense because we were just second best at everything we nothing we were doing was done with intensity it was very lackluster and very it wasn't like i don't think it was for a lack of caring it was just lethargy and tiredness and almost like like I don't know if you do you still play football or anything. Yeah, I, I play like a like a little bit on the the weekends and stuff like that. But like obviously, like, I'm, not, I'm not the man I used to be. <laughs> exactly, but like, exactly. Like a couple of days later, if you tried to play again, like your legs would take about an yeah. hour to warm yeah. up, wouldn't they? And, <laughs> and yeah, it's hard work. <laughs> but I, but I think I think with this one, like um, uh, it was kind of like the reverse of what had happened to Edmonton when they played us here. Yeah, you know, they kind of had that quick turnaround the games like obviously they had a way further way to, to travel but we obviously had that that sickness going to and it was kind of like a revenge like by the, mm. by the football gods to uh to get us back but i i thought then towards the uh end of the first half we kind of like turned the screw a little bit and something happened on the pitch as i said like maybe it was jeremy or somebody just kind of we just started to ramp it up a little bit and I thought Marshall actually uh, was kind of the spearhead, and it was surprising. Like I, I thought over those two games in Alberta, he's actually turned up a little bit, and he actually uh, has been. I saw him actually take players on, which was I haven't seen him in quite a long time. What did you think of his performance? Yeah, I think he's benefiting from the way we've started to play recently. With so yeah, we've got a front three but the central player will drop into a midfield position and the two wide forwards will tuck in. So he's obviously one of those wide forwards, So, which is good for him because it takes away all of his defensive responsibility. And I think his struggle is when he has a lot to do defensively. I think he's quite willing and I think he wants to do it, but like I'm reading the tea leaves here a bit, but I don't think he's naturally the biggest athlete in the world. I don't think he's naturally a really fit player or a really athletic player. And I think he struggles when he's got to do that kind of dual, that dual role where he's tracking back for his fullback as well. But if you just say to him, like, no, you don't have to worry about that. Just stand in those attacking positions, peel out to the right. And then when you get it, your legs should be fresh enough to do something. I think if if you put him in that position, then yeah, he's a much better player from what we've seen. And from a talent level, he's up there. He's He just doesn't show it enough. So hopefully if you do... Give him a role where he's got a bit more energy reserved. Then, yeah, we're going to see the best of him. He's definitely got like a a, a good turn of pace. You know, it's like a, he, he definitely. And I, I think maybe you're right that in um, the fact of like Stephen Hart has a very particular way he wants he wants everybody to um, put in a shift defensively as much as they do going forward. Uh, and I think I think Joe Morelli actually in, like at the start when in in the Ireland games found that a struggle too i don't think he realized like that he would actually have to uh pitch in and actually like and i think he because some of the some of the games of the island games i thought he kind of struggled with that kind of thing like he was and he was kind of almost it's like he was never been asked to do that before and he's kind of like just learning and i think he was doing like some wild tackles and stuff and i, I think you're right i think and often he yeah exactly and I, I think uh like um he's he's adapted to it. and i think march is probably just finding it harder to adapt to it to, to like what he's been asked of and I think maybe before he came here you're right he was probably just like given the freedom to just kind of do what he wants because he's that type of player um, but unfortunately with Stephen Hart the way that he does stuff um, everybody has a role to play going forward and backwards but um, I also wanted to we're just talking about the front three there like I just wanted to kind of have a, a, a like a chat about um, Aiden Daniels because he's kind of an enigma I think like he's 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 playing, he comes into games, he comes out of games. He's, he's kind of like, just like a lot of, like, he, he's, he's, there's never like a kind of a full 90 minutes of him, like, you know, like controlling games. And I think that's what people expected of him because, you know, he's a re, he's a top player. He really is a top player. But I just feel like maybe it's the position he's been asked to play or the role. I don't, I really don't know because, and I, I, I feel as well, I don't know whether you, like, you think this too, but I feel like he's getting frustrated a little bit with, people not finding him because he's finding these these little pockets of where he wants to be and whether it's 
people not putting their head up or people being a bit slow to to see the opportunity. He's kind of losing his his rag a little bit of like not getting the ball when he knows he's got this space and he's made that little little move to kind of give himself a yard. So what 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 were you thinking? Yeah, I think I think a couple of things are going on with him. I think as you nail on the head there, I think his right, he's he's better than most of our players. Like from a talent level, he's he's better than them. Like I I, I remember a good mate of mine from home played conference level when he played a few league two games as well like really really good player compared to a normal person and during the off season he'd always like me and some of my schoolmates used to play friday night seven aside so he'd come and play with us sometimes and like he wouldn't try obviously and you kind of get tricked into a false sense of security where you think oh i could probably take him on here and then he'd just go nope and he'd do something where you just he'd just show his level and i see that of aiden daniels a lot i think like I think he's, I think he's probably playing below his actual level, and I think he's getting a bit frustrated sometimes when players don't have the same intelligence as him. And I think that's one thing that's going on with him. I think the other thing is, so when you when you get to watch the games live again, the best thing about it is you can really start to see a player's character reveal itself, like their body language and how. Like, there's the obvious stuff, like what kind of runs do they make off the ball, etc. But you also can like stare at them which sounds a bit weird but just stare at them and see what they do see how they react to everything that happens and i did that with him for a game which again sounds really creepy another but, um, restraining order for you yeah, huh? <laughs> but i just wanted to, i just wanted to figure him out a little bit and i noticed like like he gets really he gets really down on himself if something he tries doesn't come off like more so than it would another player like if he tries to beat a player but doesn't quite manage it if he tries a through ball but it doesn't come off like the play will go on elsewhere. The camera will follow that. But if you just look at him, his shoulders drop a bit. He kind of like swings his arms and looks like oh, huffy and puffy, like, oh, stupid. What did I do that for? And you can't, if like, if you're the sort of player he is, which and like his primary function for us is to break the game open by doing something a bit special, being a bit chaotic, taking risks. And if you're the type of player that takes risks and their whole game is built around doing something a bit out there and a bit beyond what anyone else can do, like you need to be like so self-confident that you don't care if you give it away like instead instead of not sulking he's not sulking instead of like caring too much and being too upset with himself if he loses the ball he needs to go oh well doesn't really matter does it I don't give a shit if you give me the ball again I'll try it again and maybe it'll come off and like if you're playing in that position nine times out of ten what you try is not going to come off but the one time it does come off is magic is magic exactly yeah you got something's going to happen you're going to make something happen so he needs like my um, amateur psychologist time but i think he needs to care a little bit less not put so much pressure on himself to make things happen and just keep trying it even if it nine times out of ten it doesn't work because he's 100 percent good enough to beat four players and smash it into the top corner like no no worries about him from a talent level at all like he's really really good and like, I, I don't know about you, but I've seen quite a lot of green shoots recently, like little moments where you think, yep. okay, teammates are starting to get him a bit more. He's starting to trust himself a bit more and he's starting to like take on a more talismanic role in the team. So you, you see it coming. And yeah, I, I think the second half of the season, he's going to explode. Like the same way Morelli exploded in the second half of last season. Um, I think Daniels is going to as well. It just... Yeah, like you said, teammates need to understand him better. He needs to have more self-belief. And then, yeah, we should be golden. I, th- I think it might be just a little bit of a hangover from the fact of, like, uh, that, that Joe was, uh, has been injured. Is that, like, you know, the, the pressure, like, has shifted from, like, Joe being the, the magic maker to then suddenly, like, he's been pushed to the forefront and said, like, hey, you're here as a star player. You're the guy that, you know, was our big summer signing we need you to do this that, and the other and i think so I, I think as well like he's trying to do too much you know like r- rather than just always just i know you, he's the type of player you don't want to play in the simple ball all the time you want him to do whatever but then sometimes there's nothing wrong with playing a simple ball either when it's on rather than just constantly trying to do do the the magic thing you know what i mean like it's it's kind of like he just kind of just needs to calm down a little bit and i think um I've kind of I haven't watched him as in depth as you obviously because uh, like you know Mr. Binoculars on the stand watching them and stuff but I I, I definitely just definitely green shoots there and it's great like I I think 
once um once he got I, I think he just needs another goal. I think he needs a goal in the CPL rather than the one because he, like, he's got a banger obviously against Guelph, but I just think he needs something magical to happen here. And as you said, I think he's definitely gonna like just take off. Like I've seen him play enough, like like last year in the USL and stuff like that, which is a similar, if not better, standard. And he's more than capable. And I just think like we have a psychologist now with the club, and I think that they just need to kind of pull him aside a little bit and just go like, hey. Like if there's other players here who like who are going to con- contribute to this. You don't have to be the person that's going to carry this team. Like you know, like you're a part of it, and it's a collective thing. And you know, like you're here for a reason. So I think um, I'm not I'm not worried about him. I think that you know he's definitely uh, he's definitely good enough, and I, I I can't wait for him. I can't wait for that moment when it kind of just all yeah. clicks and he's like just going to tear the league apart. Um, I I did also want to just uh touch on Stephen Hart's uh, I don't know what Kareem Saw has done to uh, Stephen Hart in another life but Jesus Christ the poor guy like so like he's he hasn't played he hasn't played like professional football for a year and he gets thrown in against Forge uh, for like which I, I we talked about like I, I thought it was a crazy and then on this one he gets thrown in at left back and I, I was talking to uh, Chris Searle who like is an encyclopedia of uh, Canadian football and he said that um Kareem Sale's played left back before, but it, not at this level, not at this, like, like not being, he's obviously been practicing his whole time as a, a center half. And I, I, I just don't understand, like, what, why have Tabby and Gander on the bench and stick Kareem Sale left back? This, I, maybe there was something they were part of the, 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 the epidemic that happened with the, with the calls. Gander, Gander definitely was. I, don't, I have no idea on Tabby, but I, I think he said it afterwards that Gander was really sick, but he felt like he had to bring him on at half time, which makes me think surely Tabby was also sick then because why wouldn't Tabby have yeah. come on? So I, I guess that's what was going on. But yeah, bless him. He didn't have a good game, did he? No, so like, maybe... he, like he got torn apart by, uh, by Shami Sean for the, uh, for the goal, I think it was. And like, I, but it's like it's unfair to him, you know what I mean? And he he was getting he, he's gonna get criticized because obviously, like, you know, at this level, people get criticized and stuff like that. But it's just it's just a Stephen Hart thing sometimes that like he just tries to put like we I said I don't know many times I said this, and I hate using the same phrase, but it's like it's like like round pegs into square holes or square pegs into round holes. Just it, it just doesn't make any sense to to do that to him. Like I'd rather why not like you know, like put Tabby on for and see how he makes out, and if he's feeling like shit, then change it out, you know, rather than like dumping, like because his confidence must be shot, man. Like you know, like yeah, he, I think like, I think it was shot after the Forge game. Yeah, and, and which is really unfair, you know, because I like you know, as I said, like he should be like being eased into this thing. He's a he's a kid, you know, like 10, 15 minutes here, and then start playing them because he had a great Ireland games. Like I tell you, oh, not Ireland games there. Uh, the, the last bubble, season, like last yeah. year he was amazing so uh, i just feel i just thought i'd want to bring that up that like you know i hope he really keeps his head up because it, it like there's a good player there and i just think that he's kind of it's it's obviously not stephen hart's fault either because like we had four players on the bench against um against edmonton and like you know like we we're struggling to put a team together um i guess so what I, with that though the thing is like i know what you're saying but when like Edmonton are the worst team in the league. So that's kind of the game you would bring him in for and say, oh, even if you are like slightly out of position, like, oh, it's it's Edmonton though, you should be okay. Um, But yeah, I, the the Forge game, I completely agree with like, that was not a good decision, but but yeah, I can kind of understand this one a bit better. But on the same token then, like why not play Sammy Salter from the get-go against Cavalry and not Edmonton? Mm. (laughs) Because like Edmonton's the game, as you said, stick Akeem up there and, let him do his thing and, you know, like have Salter, who's obviously been like our best forward uh, this season. Like, you know, Calvary was the game that like we, we could have taken something away and he got brought on in the second half. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I get where you're coming from. I really do. But I just think I, I just, it's a young player like that, like their, their ego and all that kind of stuff is so fragile. It's just kind of uh yeah, um, so I just kind of wanted to put it out there. Like, I hope that he keeps his head up. Yeah. He's a really good guy. And yeah, he's going to, he'll slide into your DMs now. Yeah, thank exactly. you. I'm sure. Uh, well, yeah, like, I doubt it. Not how you hope So, um, so the last little bit just before we, we close up here, um, I just wanted to touch on um, Abzi's uh, blockbuster move to uh, yeah. uh, League Two in, uh, in, in France. Um, 
I, I think it was a really good deal all around for, for everybody involved because apparently York made a bit of money out of it and they've got a, a pretty decent uh, sell-on fee. So um, what, what, did you, what did you think of the move A and B? Like, what do you think this is going to do for the profile of the league too? Brilliant, brilliant move. Yeah, like you said, all round, everyone, everyone wins out of this. The league, Absey, York, um, Angus's pockets. They, everyone, <laughs> everyone's a winner with a deal like this. So it was thirty thousand is being reported. Yeah, which is like one player's salary for the whole season. So, like that's 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 a fantastic deal. And I'm very curious to see how he does because. Like, let's be honest, like there's not really been any success stories for players that have left, left this league yet. Borges certainly didn't work out. Ongaro keeps trying, but it's never it's never quite worked out for him. So I guess sorry, what Joel what the boys that went to MLS have been yeah, fantastic. I, I, but like the two of the ones have gone to Europe. Yeah, it hasn't worked. So very interested to see. Um like, I think he's a French speaker, isn't he? So yeah. he won't have any problems acclimatizing from that perspective. And yeah, he's, fly, he's flying the flag for the league. And I, if, if that goes well, then you should see more movement that way. And he's, he's a really good player as well. Like I remember first game of the season when he came on against us, completely changed oh. the game as suddenly they look 10 times more threatening. Um, but you, you worry for York a bit now. They're already struggling to score. And now you take away this really exciting attacking outlet, even though it's a defender. And yeah, so they're, they're going to really struggle now. They'll get sucked down to Edmonton's level, I think. Yeah, I, I was kind of like thinking that too. Like, you know, like I, um, I, 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 when I saw it first, I was like, you know, great for him, great for the league. Um, I, I think of all the players that have, like, there was that Estevez kid as well that went over to yeah. New York as well. I think of all those players, his game is probably more suited to the European side of thing. Like, I, I yeah, I agree. Athletic, and he can. He, there's a lot of like strength to his bow, and I, I think, um, I think he's got a really good chance of making it. And I, he's. He's a great player, man, and I think he's like one of mm. the kind of crown jewels of the league. And I really hope that this works for him. I think this this will make way more sense. So I think I mentioned earlier on, then compared to like Mo Farsi going down to the Columbus Crew, like and things like that, which which I thought, which I can see why, because obviously that's the door, that's the stepping stone to the MLS and and whatever. But I think him, he's taking a bigger chance by doing this, and I, I really hope it works out for him because. Um, as I said, I think he's a fantastic footballer and it just think, will look really good for the league if he actually um, like makes a mark over there. I think that's a good point you make about the, the, the skill set he has is really suited to making it in Europe more than so like Borges. What's, what's Borges? He's, a, he's kind of a fairly small, very tidy, quite technically strong player. There's thousands of them in Europe. What's Ongaro? He's like a big, lanky kind of post-up striker thousands of them in Europe but absi like fullbacks are becoming the most important position yep. on the pitch I think and if you can have a fullback like Abzi who's technically good and incredibly athletic as well then yeah you why not take a punt on him for 30,000 why not um, and it's kind of it's a low pressure environment for him to succeed as well because like I was, I was looking up the club I think they only get they get less fans than we do, than Wanderers do. Like they only get like four or five thousand per match because I think outside of the UK, the lower leagues aren't really watched yeah. from a support perspective. So he gets to like if he went to the championship, that would be too much and overwhelming for him. But yeah, really, really interested to see how he does and and fingers crossed it all goes well. Yeah, I just said like I mean, as word upon from the, the the French team is a power is that what it's called um it's worth to, yeah. yeah it's worth a worth a punt for like thirty grand like I mean like that's yeah, yeah. To, to the team like that's it's nothing and um I, I really like the way that League Two like uh the league itself advertised it as like new signing you know like they kind of made a bit of a razzmatazz mm. it wasn't just like uh like I feel like some of the other ones that have happened have kind of like just gone under the radar because it's I'm in the back big... door don't tell yeah, anyone exa- yeah exactly right you know what I mean whereas like this one's actually there's a bit of razzmatazz too and I, I really like that yeah. um, they've actually treated them as if it's a big signing coming in so mm-hmm. I, I really hope it works out for them so yeah man it's um who, who sorry just before we finish like who yeah. if if you had to pick a wondrous player who you think could do well in Europe who would you pick um Sp- specifically in Europe not not MLS I I, I definitely think um of who we have right now, it'd probably be uh, Fernandez. I think I just mm-hmm. think that he's got yeah. he's got a very similar skill set to Abzi, and I think uh, he's young enough. Um, and I think that he's 
yeah, I, I really think um, that kid's going places. And I think that if if he hadn't grown up in Canada and he was playing in Europe, I think he probably would be at a higher level already. I, I really, really think he's um, a fantastic player. And I, like, it's it's funny like how they're starting to to realize that now. Like, I mean, they, they've kind of mentioned in commentary. I think in the last uh, two games, uh, I think Adam Jenkins has done both, and he's kind of mentioned. Mm um his name has been like you know like a, a star of the one this wonders team so it's good that he's getting that kind of exposure too that there was an article done on him there i think by yeah some, so that which was uh it's just adding to it and like the pressure's not getting to him he just looks like he's been playing at this level for like a long time and i just love watching him man i, I just love his attitude yeah. to the game it's like just watch him bomb up and down the um like i I don't mean this disparagingly, uh, and I think it's like it's probably a shitty thing to do, but to say, but I think that like we like Maury Donor was a great player and he's moved on and he's doing pretty well down in um down in the USL, but he's he was 27, 28. This kid like is 20, and I feel like he's already miles ahead of mm. like Maury Donor. So I just think he's just so much potential there, and I really hope that um I really hope that he keeps on that trajectory, and I think he could be our first player that we actually sell on. To be honest with you, yeah, I, I agree. He's, he, I'd say him as well. I think for him, it's going to be interesting watching what happens with Farsi because they're they're very similar players actually, yeah. aren't they? Stylistically, yeah. and I bet he's got because he'll know other clubs are looking at him, and he he he's going to be too good for this league. So. Uh, which is great for us and yeah um but i bet he's looking at farsi and thinking like what's the ceiling to moving to this league and then he'll look at absi and go what what's the ceiling if you move there and another player could play in a french-speaking country easily as well because i just uh, like i look at like you know like we had like carriage Ivanovic last year and he was at like he was a good player but you, you could tell he was a kind of he has a lot of stuff to, to work on and, and stuff like that. And I think another season in the CPL would have been way better for him than going to TSE too. But mm. Farsi is like more of a finished article. And I think he's very similar the way he plays with Abs, like the way that Absi plays. But like nobody's talking about him. Like, like when he was in the CPL, Farsi, everybody was like, Yeah, this guy is amazing. He's destined for the MLS, he's destined for this, that, and the yeah, other. Yeah. And now he's just gone to a a league where they don't get any fans out to watch them and mm. you know you're kind of hoping that there's a scout somewhere it just doesn't make any sense to me like he would have been well suited to move to Europe too I think I think like his skill set would have been perfect to, to move to Europe and I just think I, I hope it works out for him because again it looks good for the league if he goes down there and does whatever but it just seems like such a wasted opportunity like just to go down there and like mm. yeah. I think they probably had the big sell from all the MLS clubs I think to, oh, yeah. to fill to fill these teams, the MLS clubs probably went big on a massive pathway now. Like if you join this instead of Europe, like you'll be playing for Columbus within the year, which which still might happen. Like this is still the first year for that. You never know if, I don't know how well he's doing there. Um, but if he does well, he might end up in the MLS next season. But I, I, I hear you like he's, I don't hear his name anymore. Whereas the last couple of years, he's the only name yeah. I heard when talking about fullbacks in Canada and like, prospective yeah. Canada 2026 squad members. It was him, wasn't it? Yeah, and you're like, you know, you, like you're talking about like under 23s and all this kind of stuff and like whatever like age groups and like he's just not he's just not mentioned anymore. And I, I think like you know, as I said, like, like I'm not trying to be an asshole, and I think that he's a really good player, and I, I I think that he's probably better than most of the players that are down there. To be perfectly honest with you, but it just it just seems as you said, like they were sold the kind of this dream of you know like oh next season da 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 da. But like there's so much moving parts in the MLS too, where you've got like the academy players coming through, then you've also got the draft picks and and da 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 and. You know, for him, he's obviously, if he goes to the MLS, he's counted as a foreign player, unless he goes to Toronto or to um, to one of the other Canadian mm. teams. And I, I look at him and I think, like, Caden Chung went to, to Toronto and I think that Farsi was, Farsi's a better player and he's like than what Caden Chung is. And Caden Chung's obviously been dropped down to TSE too. So, yeah, I, I think 
he should have maybe waited, <laughs> like maybe mm. see if another offer comes in. But hey, you know, it's it, you got to take your chances, I, I guess. And that's probably the best opportunity he had at the moment, whatever. Yeah, so, I know you keep trying to one more question. How's that, um, Coke Coupland doing? You know, the, the young lad from like, yeah, so so I saw like a couple, like I follow him on Instagram, and I th- he was playing, I think, in their reserve team or something, or okay, he scored or is a goal or, or something for them. But it's it's one of those things, like. I the the one thing the advice I'd give to like any Canadian player lo- looking to go to Europe is is that like you know it's not all it's cracked up to be because there's so uh, many players that the system over there chews up and spits out you know like we've we've already seen it here you know what I mean like like on on Garros as you said has tried twice over there hasn't worked out from like that Emilio Estevez kid like I mean there was like so many. Uh, there was such a big hype around him going to Den Haag, and where is what's he? happened? We need yeah. we need his face on a milk carton, yeah. don't we? Yeah, like the last time, well, like I, I know that he was playing for um, his international team, the Chinese Taipei, or was somebody somebody Ta- was playing a Taiwan, I think. Yeah, it was, it was somebody like that, and um, you oh, know, so Taipei is the capital of Taiwan, so maybe he's playing for their club team. Yeah, could, I, I don't know. Like my geography is terrible, but anyway, so he's yeah. playing for a, a t- like his international team. But there was no talk. I know he's released, I think, by Den Haag, and then he was back training for a little bit with York and, and stuff like that. And it's mm. just, um, yeah. It's, all is correct, actually. Just, uh, just speak to Morelli about Estonia or speak yeah. to Santos about Georgia. Like, it's not, there. there's there's a few leagues which will treat you quite well, but, yeah, the majority of lower leagues in Europe are mm. not not the best places to play. And, and I think that I think that's one thing that, um, like, Abzi appears to me has done is that he's kind of bided his time for the right move for him. And I think, as you said, men, moving to a French-speaking country when he speaks the language is probably going to be a huge thing for him to uh, acclimatise himself. And, yeah, I really hope it works out for him. So, yeah, so uh, do you have any more questions before we go? No, mate. <laughs> You're good. You can, you can kick me off now. <laughs> no, man, it's been, it's been great. Like, um, uh, the three games, I got, as we said, like six points from nine. Uh, we're kind of just on the coattails of that. I think we've kind of moved ahead of Valor in York and that kind of like little pecking order thing there. Like um, Pacific seems to be on a downward spiral. So they're, know. They're, they're, they're getting sucked into it as well. It's, it's going to be Forge and Cavalry winning yeah. by a mile and then us, Pacific and Ottawa fighting for that fourth place. Uh, York and Valor are not good teams. Edmonton are trying their best, but not great. So we just, yeah, we just need to keep picking up points. Don't let that gap get too big. And then eventually... We're going to have to beat a, another big team. That's the only problem, eventually. And roll on July when we get a new international signing, according to Derek Martin. So, yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think somebody said uh, Javinko. I'd be happy with that. Uh, <laughs> so, man, thanks, Mill. Um, yeah, uh, I'll probably see you at the game on Sunday. Cool, man. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers, buddy. Take Bye. care. Get out! Out to fuck!